0: Well good morning i'm Corey Mitchell. I am the Pastor at Winfield Baptist Church for those of you who don't know who I am um, i'm the sending pastor for this church uh, back in two thousand and ten I believe um, so it's good to be with you. Um, just a few other things I just want to encourage you not not only do I pastor Winfield Baptist, but I also serve our state convention our uh, the uh, the state convention that, that helps um, plant other churches and does things. So one of the things I do here in the central region of Pennsylvania is I encourage and support the other churches. And uh, I want you to know you're not unique. And what I mean by that is, um, as you gather, sometimes you probably sometimes well we got a small congregation. Well, you're not unique in that. There's a lot of small congregations that are doing faithful ministry. And continuing on so i want to encourage you that um and and covid has uh changed everything hasn't it um so so press on and and be encouraged snow days are are just added bonuses to covid right so but thank you uh for the team leading worship um it's good to hear this this cavernous room filled with the praises of our lord the message that you're going to hear this morning is coming from Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. Um, and it is one of the hard sayings of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And, and I want you to know as we, as we walk through this, we're going we're to feel this passage. I want you to feel it. Um, and the other aspect is, I'm going I'm to tell a story about John, John Patton, who's a um, pioneer missionary in the 1800s. Um, And I really mean what I'm going to say this morning. So, uh, let me pray, and then we'll read and dive in. Father, in our moments together, would you encourage us from your word, but would you also challenge us and train us in righteousness? In Christ's name, amen. Mark chapter 3, verses 31 and following, And his mother and his brother came, standing outside, they sent him and calling him. And a crowd was sitting around, and they said to him, Your mother and your brother are outside seeking you. And he asked them, Who are my mother and brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. At the end here of Mark, and chapter 3, we get this glimpse of this very hard saying. Uh, previously in chapter 3, um, back in verse um, 21, uh, his family heard of his teaching, and they, it says in verse 21, "...they went out to seize him, for they were saying he's out of his mind." So here's Jesus' family thinking he's lost it, and now they're seeking him again as he's teaching." They want want him to come home. They want him to stop addressing these crowds. They they knew he was frustrating the religious leaders, uh, and the crowds that he's drawing are in danger of drawing attention to the Romans. They were afraid for him and for themselves being guilty by association. And here we uh, find them coming to the door where he's teaching and they're seeking him again. You can feel the tension in the room. Jesus is to be about his father's business. We felt the tension when we, we see Jesus with the crowds. Jesus, Jesus has got tension all the time. He's got this tension where he's got these 12 men, these 12 disciples who he's trying to pour into, but he's got this crowd that is always gathering, wanting to be teaching. And so he's got that tension between, I've got to spend time with the crowd, and I've got to spend time with these 12. And he just lives there. And now he's, we're seeing this other tension. He's got his family. Why not you come home? And he's got his obligation to his Father, the Heavenly Father. What will he do? How should a human living under God respond to such pressure? Jesus shows us here. I, I, I really mean this when I say this. I want you to feel this passage. I want you to feel what it is like to be in Jesus' physical family standing at the back of the crowd, seeking to take him home. I want you to feel the words he says to his mother and his brothers and perhaps sisters. We're not quite sure who all was there. Jesus speaks into a culture that highly values family and responsibility to family, which are good things, but are never to be above what God is calling us to do. And like an old game of pass it along... Tell him his mom and brothers are here. Hey, tell him his mom is... And all the way up through the crowd until it reaches Jesus. Hey, your family's at the back. The very same family that back in verse 21 wanted to seize him because they thought thought he was out of his mind. They're back. Can we have a word with you? They, in their fear most likely, genuinely think that they are doing the right thing here, seeking His best good. They're filled with good intentions, but are they really good intentions? What will Jesus do? Back there, they stand. The crowd, we are told, is sitting. And imagine this. The the crowd's been fixating on Jesus. They're looking at Jesus. They're listening to them, And all of a sudden, the final pass it along gets, hey, your family's at the back. They'd like a word. And guess what? We read, they're all sitting, they're standing. You, can, you know what happens. If, if I tell you uh, Bob just stood up at the back and he wants a word with me, what are you all going to do? You're all going to turn around and look at him. What will this sinless man do? who faithfully obeys and fulfills the Old Testament law, say? How's he going to respond? And then he speaks, who are my mother and my brothers? And just like that, Jesus shatters his family's reputation and his own. Is he honoring his mother? Can his mother, who has already learned the hard lesson of scorn and shame, as a pregnant virgin, now face the crowd again? And his brothers aren't... Can you imagine going out in public after this moment? Hey, aren't you the brothers of Jesus, that that one who publicly dissed you? Verse 34. And looking about at those who sat around him, he said here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Can, can you feel that? It wasn't bad enough he asked the question, then he says, no, this is my family. What do you do when he says that? Where, where do you go? Did he mean that his physical family was not doing the will of God? Was he saying that they weren't his family? Jesus is serving us here, so we need to pay attention. Sometimes the people we love the most need to hear hard truths, and sometimes they need to feel shame. Here he does both, but he does more. He takes the right risk of ruining his own reputation, the risk of losing the crowd, and giving a knife to the scribes and Pharisees to throw at him. He breaks a taboo to make a point. He's not obsessed with his own reputation. He's obsessed with obeying the Father. We should pay attention when he says hard things. We should feel uncomfortable and then stand up straight and follow his example. John G. Patton did just that. He followed the example of Jesus. He was, as I mentioned earlier, a pioneer missionary. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides, which is present-day Vanuatu, which is in the South Pacific near Fiji. So it's that place where everybody wants to go and they, they see it on the Internet. But in the 1800s, the island was occupied by cannibals. The first European missionaries who attempted to enter the islands were clubbed to death upon arriving on the beach. As John Patton was preparing to go, he was gathering support and sharing about the ministry that was going to happen there. He recounts in his autobiography, among many who sought to deter him from going was one dear Christian gentleman whose crowning argument was always, the cannibals, the cannibals will eat you. At last, he says in his autobiography, I replied, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now. And your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that I cannot but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus. It will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrected body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. John Patton understood Jesus' words here in Mark chapter 3. Will we allow the pressures of family and well-intentioned people from stopping us from our God-given mission, or will we face focused press on to the goal, the prize before us? What we're going to see in our passage today is first that Jesus shows us the seriousness of following him. Can I just say an aside, in, in these weird days that we live in and with the months that we've come through with COVID and politics, um, your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends and family members are looking for something to put their hope in. Many people put their hope in politics and it was shattered. Some people put their hope in their job and it was lost because of COVID. Some people put their hope in the stock market, which is doing great today and might not tomorrow. Can I encourage you with something? We have hope, and the person who we hope in never changes. And so may we point them to, to the Lord. I think, I think when we look at 2020 in history, we're going to say that was a hard year, but I hope when we look at 2021 in the, in the history books, we're going to say there was a harvest reaped for the kingdom of God. This passage prepares us for that. Jesus shows us the seriousness of following him. First, let's begin by looking at what Jesus is not saying about physical family. Jesus was not saying that we should ignore the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment says, Honor your father and mother. So much so, he's not saying that we should ignore that. He says in John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27, when Jesus saw his mother and disciples, whom he loved, standing nearby, this is he's on the cross, he said to the, his mother, woman, behold your son, and he said to the disciple, behold your mother, and from that hour the disciple took her to his home. So Jesus, here in Mark chapter 3, we see this uncomfortable scene. She's come with the brothers, hey, we want to take you home, can we have a word with you? And he's like, who were my mother and brother. And so he's he's not trying to dishonor her in this moment. We know that so much so that on on his death on the cross, he's honoring his mother by making sure she's going to be taken care of. So he's not ignoring the fifth commandment. And the Apostle Paul's understanding of Jesus' gospel message not only affirmed the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother, but in 1 Timothy 5, verses 3 and following, he says this, He says, Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn and show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers day and night. But she who is self indulgent is dead even as she lives. Command such things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially the members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So Paul, having learned from Jesus, his self-understanding is that Jesus did not say, don't, don't, don't ignore the fifth commandment. More so, the fifth commandment gets more robust when we understand who we are in Christ, so much so that we need to take care of our family. Not only that... Jesus will attack the practice in his own day in Mark chapter 7, the practice that is called Corban, where, where someone could dedicate their wealth to God while they were still alive so that they couldn't give it to, to somebody. So what would happen is, is let's, let's say I, I say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dedicate this money to God. I still hold it. But that means I can't help my parents with it because it's God's. And Jesus says, that is not the fifth commandment. And that is a tradition of men, and it's not something that God came up with. Men came up with it. And Jesus says, that, that's wrong. And so he, he's not saying that we need to ignore the fifth commandment when he tells, when he says, Who's my mother and brother? Jesus is not saying, forsake your family and your responsibility to them. So what is he saying? What is Jesus saying about family? Well, back farther in Mark chapter chapter 10, verses 28 to 30, he says this, Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands? with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So here Peter is coming to Jesus and saying, i got a wife back at home, and I've, I've left these things for you. And Jesus is saying, we cannot allow family to trump our obedience to God. We cannot allow the expectation of family members to stop us from doing what God has called us to do. And so, again, there's tension there. There's, there's responsibility to family. There's responsibility to obey the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. But there's a higher responsibility of honoring God. And so we have to manage expectations. Uh, friends, in our current day, far too often, family and children are viewed as idols on the shelf Can I, can I speak frankly? Children, if you're in your own household, you're going to leave your parents someday. You're going to break their heart. But that is what God intends. And parents, they're going to leave you. They're arrows to be shot out into the world. And our job isn't to make them the most comfortable creatures here on planet Earth. Our, our job is to prepare them for where they're going. So Jesus is living in that tension of, I'm to be about the father's business, but my mom <laughs> wants me to come home. What do I do? What he is saying here is that family is not an idol that gets to take priority over God. What he is saying is that the physical family does not mean spiritual family. Now, the goal of physical family should be to point all the members of the family to that spiritual end. We would want everybody in our household to trust Christ, but it's not a guarantee. What he is saying is that family life and following the will of God can be hard and sometimes will cause division. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 34, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those in his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's another hard saying of the Bible. Does Jesus mean we're supposed to hate these people? No, but he's saying, listen, we, we love all kinds of things, don't we? And he tells us to love things. He tells us to love our neighbors, right? He, in, in Jeremiah, uh, he tells, Jeremiah through, God through Jeremiah tells the exiles in Babylon to seek the welfare of the city, so there's an aspect that they're, they're to love the place they live, demonstrating that and seeking its welfare so there's all kinds of things we're to love but the issue is disproportionately what are we giving our attention to and and Jesus points us back and over and over again our ultimate love and devotion is to be first and foremost to God and then all of these things what Jesus means about doing the will of God in this context when he says These are the ones who are my mother, brother, and sisters, the ones who did the will of God. I think in the immediate context, um, between his family and the crowds, the disciples and the disciples, it's that they're recognizing Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah who's come into the world. That is what is doing the will of God in that moment. Now we can unpack more, but there's something about his family that they still haven't grasped the crowd and the disciples are starting to get it this is the messiah who has come into the world and let's let's not beat up on mary she's a mother who gave birth to this this man and she's doing what every mother would do wanting to protect her son but he has to remind his earthly mother i'm here for something greater So, Jesus' means about doing the will of God is that we're recognizing Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, too. We're following God's commands. Jesus was sent with a mission, and He's about that mission, and He's not going to allow anything to get in the way of that mission. He's come to seek and save that which is lost. There's lots of things that we can get us off track as, as a church, as a family, but we need to remember what the mission is, go into all the world and to preach the gospel. That's what Mark says, Matthew 28 says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. Here in this tense exchange, we can read and understand better Paul's words in Romans 12. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Jesus is doing that perfectly in that moment. So, Romans 12, 2 is is hard for us to do on the fly, right? Jesus, here he is, he's speaking. Hey, your mom and your brothers are at the back room and they want a word with you. What are you going to do? When just a day ago they thought you were crazy and wanted to seize you and take you home. How are you going to respond? And Jesus, being perfectly in line with the will of the Father, responds well. The question for us is how will we respond when that next thing comes? Tomorrow at work when when that annoying co-worker does that thing that he always does, how will you respond in that moment? When You get pressure from family. Hey, I don't know if you should be doing that, but you feel in your heart that is what God is leading you to do. How are you going to respond? Jesus could have confronted... uh, He could have conformed to the world in this moment and gone home with His family, but He did not. The temptation of Jesus did not end after Satan leaves him in the wilderness alone. It continued till his dying breath, and yet he did not give in to that temptation. Here it was his family. Later it would be Peter, and still later it would be his own flesh as he's praying in the garden. But he knew the will of God for himself. He knew that it was good and acceptable and perfect, and it was not what his family wanted for him. They would have been happy for him to die of old age, but that was not the will of the Father. Jesus knew the Scriptures. He knew Isaiah 53, 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Friends, this morning, are you and I doing the will of God? does it line up with the Word of God? What we're doing day-to-day, interacting, does it line up with what God wants for us, or does it line up with what the culture says we should be doing, or does it line up with what our family expects us? Jesus serves us here by showing us the hard truth that sometimes the love of our family Uh, It shows us the hard truth that sometimes the love our family needs is to be shown our complete commitment to obeying, obeying God. And sometimes that may feel like we don't love them. That may be their response. But in the end, it is the most loving thing we can do. Fathers, grandfathers, uncles, moms, dads, grandparents, aunts, the most loving thing you can do for the young people in your life is show your life and your commitment to Jesus in front of them and do the hard things when I went off to college a thousand miles away from home my mom told me that I mustn't love her that was the raw emotion speaking of a mother who could not just stop in to protect a son that's a thousand miles away it was also a little manipulative hoping that in some way I might be swayed and not going I didn't allow her to sway me and I thank God he gave me the grace to go. But that's just a little glimpse of what we do sometimes, isn't it? We say things, we try to deter. Brothers and sisters, maybe be very careful how we speak to those who are following what God is calling them to do. So, what does Jesus mean about the family of God? What Jesus is saying here about an eternal family. The family of God is that it is far better, far stronger, and far deeper than any human family. Now again, the goal of human family, all human family, is that it becomes spiritual family. It becomes the family of God. It is a relationship, though. When we're in the family of God, it is a relationship established in grace. Unearned, unmerited, free Grace that is marked by and motivated towards joyful obedience to the one who gave it. So in in regular family, uh, you know, I, I can, out of my human nature, tell my kids to do things and give them expectations that aren't always biblical. But in the family of God, it's a relationship established in grace from someone outside of us who gave it to us. So what Jesus means is that not everyone's in the eternal family. We are not all children of God, but those who are, because of their faith in Jesus Christ, are different. They do the will of God. They recognize His Son. So what can we learn from Jesus' example of dealing with His family? Number one, reputation isn't everything. Jesus was willing in those moments to ruin his reputation with the scribes and Pharisees, ruin his reputation with the crowd, and ruin the reputation of his mother and brothers. But sometimes, friends, we think about our reputation way too much. We, if, if 2020 has taught us anything, um, if the history of Christianity has taught us anything, is that we shouldn't care about our reputation as much as we do. Because the world is still going to say what the world's going to say, and the world's going to do what the world's going to do. We're just called the faithfulness. Number two, the truth sometimes hurts, and it's supposed to. One of the great examples I can remember is being told a story that someone who's in sin, let's say that their sin is identified as this this pretty present that's all wrapped up in paper and it's got a bow. But, and they, they just love this present. They want to hold it. They want to keep it near them. But what's in that present is going to kill them. But they really love that box. And, and, and I come along and say, well, I, I want to tell them that if they keep holding that present, it's, it's going to kill them. And then somebody says, well, no, 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 no. You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't tell them that that will ruin their happiness. They are perfectly happy. Well, sometimes the truth has to ruin happiness, but would I rather that person lived (laughs) or be momentarily happy with something that's going to kill them? Jesus reminds us here that sometimes the truth hurts, but the truth is hurting in that initial moment so that the person would be set free. Number three, doing the will of God is not always easy. Jesus, in that moment, has to decide, am I going to conform to the culture? Am I going to conform to the expectations of my family? Am I going to stay focused on what God wants me to do? And he had to say something very hard to his mother and brothers because they were out of line. Number four, we need to weigh family expectations against God's expectations. This is hard. We love our families. We want them to uh, still like us, right? But we have to weigh their expectations against God's expectations. Number five, we need to be very careful not to let our emotions get in the way of supporting family members who are called to do hard things and go to hard places. So I gave the story of, of uh, John G. Patton, and, and I did intentionally because there's, there's that tension of he had, he had all these people, well-intentioned people that weren't even his family. Oh, we don't want you to go because you're going to be eaten by cannibals. And well, we can think of a thousand reasons and excuses to tell people they shouldn't go do things that God wants them to do. Um, but we need to be very careful not to let our emotions get in the way of supporting our family members, even our friends, even our church members, for what God may be calling them to do and go. We end here with a passage out of Hebrews. So let us follow Jesus. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sins are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you would encourage us from the word we heard and help us not only to be hearers of the word, but doers as we go. May we uh, seek to think about how our lives reflect what you want us to do. and May you purge us of anything that we are not to be doing. May you also help us to encourage those who are doing their best to follow you. It's in Christ's name we pray.